morning. You're here with me, Kevin Stevenson on I Don't Care on Market Scale Radio. Really excited today. Got another great guest for you here on I Don't Care with Kevin Stevenson. Hey, you know he's a good guy because his name's Kevin too. I've got Kevin Buckley with Technologist with me. Kevin, how are you doing today? I'm doing great today. Thanks. Uh, uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, glad to have you. You know, uh, I was just telling uh, the other Kevin uh, that uh, this is an area that I know very little about. So I'm just going to throw him some softballs and let him hit away. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, the pandemic and the need to reduce operating costs across all organizations, particularly healthcare, has really made the move to digital a lot more um, intentional uh, and, and frankly, a, a lot more, I think it's really escalated that. And, and the need for business enablement is also becoming really a lot more critical. So here's a couple of statistics for you. Healthcare loses about $150 billion annually due to missed appointments because about 88% of appointments are still made manually. And current estimates expect that about 50% of all US healthcare providers will be investing in RPA over the next three years. So Kevin, here's your first softball, hit away buddy. Tell me what is RPA? And I know what AI is, artificial intelligence, but I, I, I basically just know what AI stands for. So tell me what both of those concepts are. Uh, so they're two different things, um, but they can work together. And I'll try and explain how, how they do. So robotic process automation or RPA, first of all, what it isn't, it isn't about replacing workers, it's about making work more efficient. Today, a lot of frontline workers, a lot of face-to-face -face, um, um, people are doing repetitive, mon uh, mundane, mind-numbing work, right? That yeah. is not rewarding. Uh, and it causes frustration for the patient, the payer, and the provider. Mm -hmm. So RPA, very simply, is we would define that as taking desktop type of tasks and automating them. Uh, appointment setting would be a very good example of that. Accounts okay. payable, right? Now let's take appointment setting. It's, uh, it's one of the biggest areas where you can provide a better experience to the patient as they come in and stop the swiveling from application to application, putting the same information in all the time. Imagine if you would, if you can have a patient or, or uh, incoming at, at, in your desk, you enter their information and it automatically populates the MR, it automatically checks doctor schedules, operating rooms based on their procedure and pulls all that information together and provides back in real time for the customer, these are the dates available to you for your doctor and your procedure and what's needed for that. It, the, the patient walks away saying, you know what? My healthcare provider is amazing. Right, because we always always have the experience where we go from one person to another and ask asking the same questions, right? So by doing that, not only can you provide a better experience for the patient, but you can lower costs dramatically. And the people that are doing that work can focus on higher value, patient-focused um, uh, tasks or services yeah. that provide a better outcome. And that's what they want to do. If you ask them. You know, yeah, what really would you rather be doing than uh, filling out these the 30 forms today? Yeah, in the clinical world, we, we call it, uh, you know, working to the top of your license. And that's really true. Even even frontline tasks, like you said, people people want to be as productive as they possibly can be. And doing those, those 
just mundane tasks get really, really uh, irritating for them and for the patients too. Um, you know, one of the issues that we see in healthcare is that unfortunately, a lot of our systems just don't talk. How do you get around that? So uh, another great question. That's where um, AI comes in. Um, and so RPA connects workers on keyboards. Um, RPA has an attended robot, which means they'll do a certain amount of work and then it'll come back and ask the, the user, is this okay, approve this, and then moves it on, right? Okay. AI integrates legacy applications. So you can have your um, EHR, your EMR application uh, talking to other applications and pulling that information together. Mm -hmm. So it's more the backend application to application work. And we call those unattended robots because there's a very specific uh, process that happens on the applications and it can go through those process to execute um, and, and pull that information in. Today, again, people are going into EMR, they're going into different applications, pulling information out. It's time consuming and highly prone to error. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Well, and, and as we were saying, it's incredibly frustrating to the patient because, you know, say you, come, you go to your primary care physician who may be in the same network as your hospital and all of your ancillary providers, and, and they give them all of their pertinent demographic information. And then they have to go to have lab work done. They go to the lab, same network, but you've got to give that information again. And heaven forbid you have to come into the hospital for a procedure or, or, or an overnight stay or whatever, and you have to give that information again. So, you know, we're, you know, we in my hospital and my system, we're trying to find ways. How can we reduce that, that need to ask for information multiple times? Yes, and we've all experienced that. Yeah. And after the third time, it's like, I just told the last guy this, right? Exactly. And, and then also what happens when you discharge the patient, right? They've got their discharge orders. Sure. Um, that can be automated to make sure that they're following up on those discharge orders. Appointment reminders can automatically be sent. All that stuff can be automated. So they're getting an Amazon-like experience. We've all been spoiled, right? Mm -hmm. Through the Amazon-like experience. And healthcare um, doesn't have to do much to provide a much better experience to the patient. I, I don't say that in a derogatory way. It's just there's lots of room for improvement and lots of room for efficiency. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and that's one thing I've been doing healthcare for over 31 years. And sometimes, yeah, we're not just laggards in, in new technology and new processes. Man, we're, we're like the snail. And yeah. it, it takes forever to make to have us make any kind of changes. So, so, so with these two, yeah, with with RPA and with AI, yeah, there's lots of different ways. You know, beyond just uh, say like patient registration. You know, what other aspects of healthcare uh, are you uh, are you pushing RPA and AI into? Um, revenue cycle, mm -hmm. um, appointment setting, claim denials. Um, areas where we're, we see a tremendous amount of waste and lost revenue, right? Mm -hmm. Accounts payable, right? Uh, many accounts payable organizations have 25, 30 people. There, it takes four, four to five days to process, right? Oh. Um, the systems aren't connected, right? You don't have visibility across your, your um, uh, cash coming in, right? It, 
automating all of that, scanning it and, and automating that reduces that, in, improves the workflow process and provides greater visibility to the hospital in terms of what's yeah. What's going okay. So, so are these, and, and remember I told you, I don't know a whole lot about this, so bear with me. Are the, are these algorithms, are they, are they, you know, tell, tell me about the back workings of RPA and AI. You, you obviously, you know, in AI, of course, that's continual learning, but talk to me about, you know, how does this work behind the scenes? Uh, so we'll use existing technology like OCR uh, scanning, EDI. Uh, we have APIs into that. So if you have an invoice, you scan the invoice and there's some pre-work that needs to be done, but it automatically pull invoice number, the provider, patient ID, pulls this pertinent information off, then ties that together and moves that data into the other applications. So there's a little, a little amount of pre-work and it's not one size that fits all, Kevin. It's, mm -hmm. it, the difference here is, and this is not an IT initiative. This is a business initiative within a hospital. These are coming out, uh, initiatives are coming out uh, from the CFO, uh, the CEO level, right? There's very, there's not a lot of infrastructure expense in terms of this. It's really coming in to begin with, uh, and there's a process, coming in with business analysts, understand, sitting down and going through the process mining and the task mining, right? The mm -hmm. task mining is, here's the workflow, what do you guys do task the end user, right? I open up an email, I copy it, I forward it. And then there's a process mining where now it's scanned and it goes in. So you pull that all together and it's an opportunity for healthcare or, or any organization to improve that workflow. Just because you have a workflow doesn't mean it's good, right? Mm -hmm. But by studying and analyzing, you can improve the workflow and you can automate it. So it's, it's really coming in from the, a business analyst standpoint, and then we tie the technology in on the back once we understand okay. where the biggest challenges are, right? And it's different for everybody. It's different, different health organizations have different priorities, right, in terms sure. of what they want to attach for, attack first. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, you know, what are, how do organizations decide what they want to automate. I mean, you've given a lot of good examples, but, but, you know, say, say in my organization, you know, I only had enough resources to, to do a couple of things. Talk me through the process of, of really deciding uh, where, what areas to focus on. So very good question. There's a couple of ways that it's done. One, we call it uh, democratizing, uh, which means the, the users, the, 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 the people working on the desktops, they can create their own robots. If they have a task they want to automate, it's very simple. I create my own tasks. I can take multiple spreadsheets, pull information together, extract it, and give myself a report. So people are empowered to do their own. It doesn't take a lot of uh, technical uh, know-how. Mm -hmm. um, the other aspect that's really important is you need to create a center of excellence within the organization where you bring the business, the end users, the physicians, everybody together, right? And, mm -hmm. and we facilitate that in terms of where are the pain points, where are the, um, many times the business already knows what it is. And then we go about, we don't try and do it all at once, right? Let's pick the top three or four, prioritize those and go through those and set up an RPA process or, or automate those processes 
show success back to the business. The greatest way for it to scale across the enterprise is to have some wins initially and the business sure. is saying, yes, this works, right? Because once you're able to show that to the business, they, oh, we got this, and we got that, and we got this one over here. We, we got all these other things that we need to do, right? Yeah. So, okay. It, okay. And, and, you know, really and truly, uh, this is, it, it's, yeah, you, you want to save money, but, but really for, for a hospital, oftentimes it's about, you know, let's streamline the process and, and let's enhance patient engagement and patient satisfaction. And, and so, you know, uh, yeah, money, money's great, but, but we're looking at that, at, at that other aspect too. So are there any disadvantages of automation? Uh, there, there are. One of the big disadvantages is actually getting uh, people on board, right, uh -huh. in terms of doing it, because our inclination as humans is someone's trying to take my job away, right? right. So yeah. that's the, it's, it's a people issue. It's a culture issue, right? Mm -hmm. I think when somebody once said, Peter Drucker, that, you know, um, uh, culture eats strategy for breakfast, right? So, yeah. Uh, so you, you have to get people on board. Um, the other area that's a, a disadvantage is, I think, picking the wrong, trying to do too much at, at one time um, and, and picking the wrong processes and not investing the time to, um, to improve the workflow when you, when you, when you set out to, to automate it. Okay. Yeah. Other than that, I don't find a lot of, uh, um, well, listen, there, there is, there is some risk involved in this. Okay. And the risk comes around, um, let's say governance, um, security, uh, and compliance. Mm -hmm. Because you have to consider that these unattended robots are going out touching applications that have patient information. Yeah. Right. So how do you do an, How do you create an audit trail on that? So uh, we have a practice where we come in, and that's part of it. Listen, we've got robotic process automation, we've got AI, but let's step back and let's address the governance, right? So that when you have this deployed and it's running and you need to run an audit, it doesn't take you know, two months and 300 man hours. Exactly. And I, we have seen where that has not been made part of the, um, of the process and it comes back to, to haunt them. To, mm -hmm. to, so, you know, let, we, let's step outside of healthcare. What are some other ma large projects that you're working on now in other industries? I'd, I'd be really interested to see, you know, maybe there's something that we can learn from. Uh, so manufacturing is one that we're very heavily involved in. Uh, I'll talk about and uh, finance and banking, right? Okay. So the, even though most lot of manufacturers are, are automated in terms of the supply chain, the applications that connect all of that aren't necessarily um, connected. So there's still a lot of manual process, a lot of manual lifting. So the automating of the uh, supply chain within manufacturing is a big one as well. Mm -hmm. When you look at uh, the finance, you've got the you've got traditional banks now competing with, um, you know, private investment. Let's look at Ally Bank, right, coming in that's not a brownfield let's see it's kind of born in the cloud so traditional finance making uh, financing is trying to provide that light touch experience um, for the users to make it easy to do business with them okay um, insurance mm -hmm. is, uh, is another one automating all of those processes on the back end uh, to make sure that they are you know proactively 
providing, um, oh, you know, services to their customer that differentiate what they're doing. Again, it comes back to customer experience. You know, we, we have an expectation that if we have to sit on hold um, for a long time, well, that's, that brings up another no, no, call centers. Call centers are huge, right? When you have a call center, if you can eliminate, if you can make that call from four to five minutes to one to two minutes, whether it be debt collection or, or whatever it is, right? Automate that and populate all that, those different um, uh, applications. That's mm -hmm. more time for you to do more dials per day. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's go back to insurance a little bit because that's certainly a big issue with us here in healthcare is uh, claims adjudication and, and all of that. You know, talk about any projects around that to, to not only streamline their process, but frankly get me my money quicker. <laughs> well, so the American Hospital Association came out with a report, I think, in mid-June. And to your point, right, they, uh, almost $262 billion has been lost due to COVID-19, right? Through a number of different things, right? Three, so they looked at $3 trillion in claims. I just have to check my notes here a little bit. Um, and they found out that um, um, hospitals are missing out on $4.9 million in claims per hospital per year. Mm -hmm. And it costs the average um, provider $118 per claim denial to go back and adjust. Yeah. And, and a lot of that is caused by um, human error entry, double entry, a number of different things that happen in that denial process, right? Um, so there is a way for you to kind of mitigate that whole denial claim. You're not going to get rid of it, mm -hmm. but you can mitigate that um, a lot. And they talked about out of that $3.3 billion that, uh, oh, I wish I had the, uh, it, it right here, but it, it was a lot of money yeah. um, from, from claim, from claim to denial. Right? Yeah. You know, that, that's such a huge frustration for, for independent practitioners and, and really practitioners uh, in general is the amount of time and the amount of resources that they have to spend dealing with insurance, managed care, uh, federal payers, all of that. Uh, you know, typically, even in small practices, they have one to sometimes two FTEs spending their entire time trying to get the practice paid. So any way that yep. any way they can yep. help uh, uh, smooth that process out, good grief, I'm sure practitioners would be ecstatic about that. Tell me a little bit more about about your about your firm. What else do you guys do? So Technologent, I would describe us this way. So we, we do have an infrastructure practice. We understand endpoints, right? Mm -hmm. um, and we have a strong practice uh, in that area. But I really, on, on my side as a business automation executive, we, I really would describe, describe us as a boutique systems integrator. We're a little bit north of $500 million. Okay. Um, we specialize in things like service desk, service now implementation, um, RPA, uh, going in and doing uh, um, voice the customer where we actually go and interview the different business units within there to understand the challenges that they're that they're having today okay. and either map that back to IT to help IT support that or to find out how we can look at all these different processes and, and fix those. So mm -hmm. I would say half of our $500 million, maybe less than half is, is services oriented. So that, that's a big growth area for us. And the, um, the RPA and the artificial intelligence has been just a 
a it's a huge growth potential for us. Yeah, it certainly sounds like. Are you all here? Uh, you focus primarily on U.S. companies, or are you international as well? We're international. We're headquartered it. Really? Yeah, we're headquartered in Irvine, California. Okay. Uh, we've got 19 offices. We're in Australia, Europe, India, um, and uh, we are have a big uh, presence in in Texas as well. Okay. I think that's where you're at, right? Yeah. So yes, so we're we're worldwide. Um, I cover large global companies uh, in medical distribution. I'm sure you know who they are, and we do business all over the world with them. Okay, okay. So I'm I'm going to ask a crazy question. Uh, so what are what are the differences in in this arena dealing with U.S. companies versus companies say oh let's say Australia? Any any major differences? You know what? I'm not a subject matter expert on that, Kevin. Okay. So we have a whole team that uh, handles all of that for me, so I don't have to. But uh, <laughs> hey, I'm right I there do. with you. I've, I've got a great team too. That uh, fortunately, I don't have to know everything about cardiology, but I got people that do. So. I know we did get a we did get a award from the U.S. Department of Commerce for um, our international business practice. So. Oh. If you have that need, we have the right people to help with that. So, so you're obviously doing something right. So that's a good thing. So, uh, so any, uh, you know, the, in the last couple of minutes that we have, any last words or any any suggestions for um, for my viewers on you know how they might uh, how they might engage with you or, or maybe other companies that are involved in RPA and AI. So, we have a tendency to try and go this alone and figure it out. I, I think it's really important, regardless of who it is to find a good partner that has deployed this many, many times, that has a process, a repeatable process, repeatable methodology, and lots of references that can, can come in and sit down and consult with you because it really is helping you kind of draw out where you wanna go and how you get there. And there's a lot of work to be done beforehand. Where we're seeing people failing is similar to ServiceNow, if you're familiar with that. Mm -hmm. uh, people start these little science experiments, right? I can do this, right? They sure. don't have uh, the business support. They're not funded. Um, they're doing things on their own. And you don't get enough scale to show value back to the business, right? Um, and that's why it really starts with an initiative out of the business, the CFO. My experience has been and I love IT guys. I've been working with IT guys for 25 years. Love them all. But they don't always have the money. They have to go ask for the money, right? The right. business has access to the money if the problem is big enough and you can solve it, right? And the return on something uh, like RPA um, is, you know, it can be, you know, a return within two years. It can be a return within a year, mm -hmm. you know? I'll give you an example. If you take a standard, uh, an FTE, kind of doing frontline work. If you can reduce their workload or, or in, uh, uh, improve their workload by just 2%, it just pays for the license right there. Right. And you're done, right? So it's a very small investment. Um, and be prepared to spend a lot of time educating the workforce in terms of why we are doing this. And it is good for you. We're doing this because we don't want you to be unhappy and leave. There's a huge amount of attrition mm -hmm. in healthcare and every other organization, right? Right. And once they see that, uh, and, and they want to be part of the solution because 
they can get on to doing things that are more of more value to them and more value to the business. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you spoke about culture earlier and that's exactly right. Which, where you need to do is you need to be able to tie this work into your culture and, and into your mission statement for you know, providing better care for, for your patients. And, and the more that you can, the, that you can explain that uh, to your associates, the better off you're going to be, you know, particularly, you know, now during COVID and kind of the, the, the trailing edge, hopefully on the pandemic. Yeah. A lot of people are still very concerned about their, about their jobs, even after we've kind of gone through the, through the surges. Uh, and so the more that you can do to, to really uh, support those, those associates and let them know, Hey, you know, we're trying to do this for you. As you said, trying to make your, your uh, work-life balance even better um, and, and making you much right. more productive so that you can do things that you, that you would rather do versus the mundane tasks. Uh, I think that's a, that's a really good word. That's a good use of this. So I think, you know, listeners, viewers, uh, you know, if you've got a, a lot of those mundane tasks and Hey, we all do, you know, think about this, think about RPA, think about AI so that, so that you can really be a lot more efficient and, and improve the, the quality of life for your associates. So, boy, Kevin, you brought us a good word today. I really appreciate well, this. Yeah. And I'll give you, I'll give you 10 seconds. Any, any closing remarks? Um, I'll just tag on what you said. People need to be reminded of the mission. The mission is to provide better outcomes for patients and a better experience. And when you allow employees to get behind that and make a difference, you see exponential returns on that. So I, and I wanna thank you, Kevin, for your time and the access to, uh, to your viewers to talk about this topic. Hey, thanks so much. Kevin Buckley with Technologent, really enjoyed having you on today. Always glad to have another Kevin on board. Nothing wrong with that. So viewers and listeners, uh, we've had another good day here on I Don't Care. And uh, you know how to listen to us. You're going to get to hear us live every Friday morning at 9.30 Central Time on Market Scale Radio. Then after that, if you miss that, I don't know why you would ever miss it. You ought to be setting your alarm for 9.25 Central every Friday morning. Come on. Just go ahead. Setting and it right now. Thanks, Kevin. I appreciate that. You know, I see that hand. Uh, and so, but if you happen to miss it, make sure you go to Spotify or iTunes and download us. And I'll close today like I close most days. If you haven't subscribed to I Don't Care with Kevin Stevenson, why haven't you? We'll be talking to you next week. Have a great week. Bye.